Welcome back, listeners, to another edition of Matt Goes to the Movies. Obviously, you've seen the title of this episode. You know we are here to talk about The Dark Knight, the second movie in the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy, which started with Batman Begins. I've done an episode on that. Uh, Today, we're here to talk about The Dark Knight and concludes with The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, Certainly, Batman Begins pulled the Batman movie franchise out of the proverbial gutter that Batman and Robin had left it in. And the Dark Knight shot it into another stratosphere, whether it be box office returns, word of mouth about this movie, overall reviews from critics and fans. Uh, This really launched Batman into, like I said, another stratosphere uh, for movies and really saved him because Batman and Robin had effectively killed the franchise on the big screen. So like I said, it started with Batman Begins and then just shot off to new heights with the Dark Knight. But before we get started talking about the Dark Knight, um, I just want to point out with Matt Goes to the Movies, if you're a regular subscriber to the show, thank you. Continue to support the show on Facebook, Instagram. We have a TikTok page, LinkedIn, uh, There's the email. All of these things are in the show notes. Uh, We continue to appreciate the support for the show. And if you are a first-time listener and the title of this episode, The Dark Knight, got you interested to see what this show is about, welcome. Hopefully this will make you want to stick around. Also, please don't forget to go to Podchaser, leave reviews. That really helps the show and, you know, helps me figure out what you guys want to see next. And, you know, if there's anything that you'd like to see updated really about the show. So I always appreciate the feedback and the interaction that comes with that. So keep it coming. So with this episode, we're going to get right into it and we're going to go with what I call it's a new segment. It used to be called the two minute warning. I've changed the name for this episode and all future episodes that will be released to this is the teaser trailer segment. So what this is, is two minutes, spoiler free, of my thoughts on The Dark Knight. So with that being said, yeah, you know, off of the success of Batman Begins, which I absolutely love Batman Begins, a little bit of a spoiler, I guess. Um, Batman Begins is actually my favorite Batman movie. If you've listened to that episode, you know that I feel that Batman Begins is uh, my best uh interpretation of what Batman is supposed to be. I think it captures him really well. And the Dark Knight doesn't quite live up to that for me. Now, do not get me wrong. This movie has an amazing score, some great cinematography, and especially some amazing performances. That does not mean it's a great Batman movie. So... Without getting into spoilers, really, I can't say too much more. So that is going to be it for the teaser trailer. Now, if for some reason you have not seen The Dark Knight and you do not want any sort of spoilers for this movie, this is where you would have to pause this episode. Uh, If you listen further, it's going to be spoilers from here on out. So if you haven't seen The Dark Knight, you don't want to be spoiled. Just go right ahead, stop this episode here, watch the movie, and come back to it. So in the spoiler section, 
This is a, another new segment. Again, if you're a longtime listener, uh, you're not used to this format. So this is how the show going forward is going to be broken down. This segment will be called going forward from the seat to the screen. And what this segment does is it breaks down what works about the movie and what doesn't work about the movie for me. So what I want to start with, because there really is a lot that works with this movie, I want to break down what doesn't work for this movie. And first and foremost, what doesn't work in The Dark Knight for me, which makes it the second best Batman film um, to screen, is it's not a Batman movie for me. Now, this is just my opinion, but this movie is not at its best when it's focusing on Batman. This movie is at its best when it's focusing on Harvey Dent, Commissioner Gordon, the Joker. It is a great character piece, but it is not a great Batman piece. Uh, at this point, Bruce Wayne, who's played by Christian Bale, who I think does a very good job. I like Christian Bale as Batman. I like Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne. I think he does play both parts well. However, though, in this universe, he has not been Batman for any amount of time. And in the world of Batman, when we're looking at this as an actual living, breathing world, he wants to give up being Batman so quick. All of the years that he put in training, everything that he sacrificed to create this persona, to put fear into criminals, he just wants to give up because he's in love with Rachel Dawes. I don't buy it. It, it. Everything that we know about Bruce Wayne and his desire to avenge his parents' murder and make sure that Gotham is safe does not line up with how he thinks in this movie. Now, when he's in the costume, he looks fantastic. Are the scenes with him good? Yes, absolutely. I absolutely love the design of the Batman suit in this one. Um, also, it's not my favorite interpretation of the Bat suit. That would go to Ben Affleck in Batman v Superman, in Justice League, uh, either version that you've seen. He makes a surprise appearance in the Suicide Squad. But I really do love this outfit for Batman. So when he's on screen, he's good. It's just his motives in this movie do not feel earned. It doesn't feel like he's been doing this long enough where he really wants to settle down and he wants to, you know, be with Rachel and he wants to give this up and the, you know, the police can do their job and everything. Even in the way they describe it in the movie, I understand that Harvey Dent has locked up a ton of criminals and there's even dialogue based on that with, he locked up half the city's criminals without wearing a mask. He has to understand, or at least you would think Bruce would understand that's not going to last. It's still going to breed chaos. Um, so I don't buy his motivations, and that's why I don't think that this is a great Batman movie, but it is a great movie. So that is one thing that does not work in this movie for me. And it's really the main part as to why I feel Batman begins is the best out of this trilogy and the best Batman movie on screen so far. 
um, live action. Uh, there's certainly a lot of animated flicks that I think are really up there and a great portrayal of Batman. Um, but for the sake of this, I'm strictly talking about live action versions of Batman. So that to me is one major part that does not work in this, in this movie. The second thing that doesn't work is there's quite a few scenes where when you think about the aftermath, things just don't add up. And one of the major things that to me doesn't add up in this movie is this is jumping forward in there. When the Joker shows up at the fundraiser event that Bruce throws for Harvey Dent, after all is said and done, he throws Rachel out the window. Batman jumps out to save her. We just cut to the next scene and there's no, well, so where did Joker go? He just got in the elevator and like went back down to the ground floor and like he walked by Batman out the front door. Did he escape out the back? Did he hurt prisoners on his way out? Did he take anybody? It's just, oh, okay. This scene's over. There's no natural transition to how we went from that scene to the very next shot in the movie. So that actually really bothers me. And there's a couple of things like that in this movie where if you stop to think about, well, what is that character doing? It just makes you scratch your head a lot. So as great as Christopher Nolan is, I think there's some major misses here in transitions between scenes. But again, overall, this is a great movie. It's just there's you know, those few things that do not work for me. So that's where I'll end what doesn't work. And let's talk about what works. And I will start with Commissioner Gordon, once again, played by Gary Oldman, who I absolutely love. I think he's a fantastic actor. He's fantastic in this. He has really great on-screen chemistry with really everybody that he shares the screen with. He has a great scene where... Lau is uh, has escaped and gone back to China and he's arguing with Dent on the rooftop with Batman standing there, which is actually a really funny scene when you stop and you think about it because there's Batman and he's just standing there silent while Harvey and Gordon are arguing about the fact that the money was traced, the mob knew what they were doing. Gordon's mad at Dent. Dent's mad at Gordon because Gordon has crooked cops on his force and Gordon's yelling back at Dent that, you know, Maroney has people in his office and that's how they knew that the money was marked and everything. So that's a really great scene. There's also, to me, some subtle humor that Batman's just sitting there while like parents argue almost, just quiet kid. Um, I thought that's actually a really good scene. His desperateness when later Harvey turns into Two-Face and he's kidnapped his family. The just pure emotion on his face when Harvey points the gun at his family and especially his son is just so well done. Gary Oldman's a great actor. He's so good in this movie. He's fantastic. I love every second that he's on screen. I love every second that he's in this franchise. Um, He's just wonderful. The second part that works in the second character is, of course, Harvey Dent. A really well laid out, thoughtful, believable transition from Harvey Dent 
to Two-Face. This is a guy who in the movie says, I knew the risks when I took the job. And he is not afraid to go face-to-face with this criminal underworld who have ruled Gotham, intimidated people, bought, bribed their way to their positions of power. And he does not care. He is going to stick up for everybody, and he's going to clean up the city. He's great as Harvey Dent. He's great as Two-Face. It's believable that when Rachel dies, he would lose absolutely all hope and he would be easily manipulated by the Joker into turning on people that he's been working with and believing that Batman and Gordon um, are responsible for this, that it's not the Joker's fault that, you know, Hey, I'm not a hero. The heroes that are supposed to save you from all of this stuff. They're the ones who let you down it's so well written. It's to me so believable that he would just instantly tragically fall and turn into the two-faced villain. I thought that was very well done. Great casting choice with Aaron Eckhart as Harvey Dent and then two-faced hats off to Christopher Nolan for casting him in this movie, because I think he has been absolutely fantastic. And the major thing that works about this movie is the incredible, incredible, excuse me, performance by Heath Ledger as the Joker. Now, if you were like me, when this movie was announced and Heath Ledger was announced as the Joker, some of the reactions were downright disgusting. This was very close to being announced around the time of Brokeback Mountain, where Heath Ledger um, was a star in that movie with Jake Gyllenhaal. And there were so many negative things said about casting Heath Ledger as the Joker based off of the character he played in Brokeback Mountain. And it was absolutely disgusting to hear people just trashing this casting choice, trashing this person. Um, It was just not a good look for fans um, at all. And just people in general, it was terrible. Um, But what we got, and we all know the tragic story uh, with Heath Ledger losing his life. um, Incredibly, incredibly sad story. The performance that we got from him though is absolutely epic. I don't think I have ever heard one negative thing said about the performance that he gave for this Joker interpretation. To me, it is the elite standard set for the interpretation of the Joker. It is my best interpretation of the Joker on screen in any medium to date. He was fantastic. He immersed himself in the role his mannerisms, his body language, everything that he did. He had, if you ever go behind the scenes, there were so many things that he did with this character that were not directed. When he's caught in this movie and he's in the jail cell and Gordon gets promoted to Commissioner Gordon, Heath Ledger had the idea to clap along with the police force as the Joker. 
That was not directed to him. That was not in the script. He went and did that on his own. He was so terrifying that Michael Caine, who plays Alfred in this movie, during the fundraiser scene that I mentioned earlier, when Heath Ledger first appears as the Joker in the elevator, he was so terrifying that Michael Caine, who is a world-renowned actor and has done everything, forgot his lines because he was so terrified by the presence of Heath Ledger as the Joker that he forgot his lines. That is someone who has embraced this role and wanted to bring everything he could to the screen. Um, he's just amazing. The Like the cackling of the lips. Again, the subtle humor when he mentions the fact of when he's threatening the mob bosses and he has his vest rigged with grenades you know let's not blow this out of proportion he is fantastic him losing his life is so tragic and i am not saying this because it underscores anything so i hope everybody listening understands what i'm trying to say here i'm hoping i'm articulating it in the right way there's a there's a line at the end of this movie that Anytime I watch The Dark Knight, I'm not afraid to admit it. It really gets me. Like, it's getting me right now thinking about it. It gets me emotional. Batman has caught him. He has foiled his plan to have the city blow each other up. Um, there's two boats, and each boat has a detonator. And if one wants to survive, they have to blow the other boat up, and Joker will spare the boat. So... Batman stops him. He throws him off the side of the building, but he uses his grappling hook. He catches him. And not only is it an encompassing line for the Joker and perfectly sums up his and Batman's relationship, but the line that's said by the Joker is he says, this is what happens when an immovable object meets an unstoppable force. I think I'm screwing that up, so I apologize. But then he says to him, I think you and I are destined to do this forever. And it's so sad and it's so tragic because the fact that he has to utter that line in this movie and geez, would I have loved to see Heath Ledger as the Joker and Christian Bale as Batman do this a few more times. Absolutely. But the fact is Heath Ledger didn't get to do anything else, um, which is really sad. Um, sorry, getting me a little choked up right now, but the fact that that line is uttered in this movie and you know, this man's life, um, is no longer his is just something that I think about every time I see that. And he gave an amazing performance. Um, and I, I can't really say anything else about it without just repeating myself. So uh, I will move on with what works. And the last thing I, I want to talk about is 
I mentioned Michael Caine, his Alfred in this universe is amazing. This is something that Christopher Nolan crafted so well is the relationship between Bruce and Alfred. And it's something that we didn't really get in the first Batman movies that we saw. It's, you know, we had Batman, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, and Batman and Robin. And we had consistency in the actor who played Alfred. I'm forgetting his name, so forgive me. But we never really got a really great Bruce and Alfred relationship on screen, at least in my opinion. In this trilogy, the relationship between Bruce and Alfred is not only of caretaker, of friend, and family. You know, they portray that Alfred cares so much about Bruce there's certainly a scene in the dark Knight rises that is chilling about how much Alfred actually cares for the Wayne family, how much he cares about Bruce, um, how much it's meant to him to, you know, raise Bruce and then to have him come back, um, and help him with this, that relationship, not only in this movie, but in this trilogy is one of the strongest things that this has going. You really believe that these two care about each other in a way that is genuine and will never, ever stop. Like these two would never stop caring about each other. That's something that is just consistent throughout all three films. To me, it's the best interpretation of the character for me, again, in any medium, uh, comic books, video games, any animated movies, I think this interpretation of Bruce and Alfred's relationship is the best thing um, that's been presented by any medium. So that would be the ending to this segment from seat to screen, which will now take us into from the lobby. Now, from the lobby is. You know, I've tried to make segments that go with the theme of Matt goes to the movies. So from the lobby is a segment where you're walking out, you've seen the movie, maybe you're with a couple of friends, maybe you're on a date, maybe you just talk to fans that were in the theater with you. So from the lobby is what would you be talking about as you're going through the lobby, going to the parking lot, going to your car? Uh, so this segment will break down. Uh, my least favorite scene of this movie, my favorite scene of this movie. And then lastly, if it is a franchise like this, what is the franchise appeal? Where does it rank um, in terms of Batman as a whole, in terms of cinema? And then my individual rating for this film. So starting with my least favorite scene in this movie there's not a lot and it's not even my least favorite because it's bad. It's just one of the scenes that's kind of weirdly cut is when gamble um, who's played by Michael J white gets the Joker kidnapped because he's sick and tired of the Joker talking down to these gangsters and everything like that. He's brought in uh, in a trash bag and, you know, he wanted him dead or alive. But, you know, these henchmen for him bring in the Joker, tell him they got him. And it's the Joker sitting there 
actually having the henchmen bring him to him because he wants to confront him. So it's a good scene, but due to poor editing and then again, just a weird transition, I don't need everything explained to me in a movie, but there's certain things with the Joker where I wanted to see what he would actually do. So he ends up killing Gamble, and then he says to the two henchmen that are, or three, I'm sorry, henchmen that are left, he says, we have room for aggressive expansion on the team. And he breaks a pool cue in half and says, there's only one spot open. And he walks away. To me, I wanted to see, does the Joker really mean that there's one spot or the one person that's left? Is the Joker just going to get rid of him anyway because it's a game to him? Um, I really wanted to see more with that. So again, it's not a bad scene. Um, it goes to speak about you know how well this movie actually, like how good this movie actually is that this is my least favorite scene. Um but yeah, I just I wanted to see more of that. And the fact that, again, it kind of cuts to a, a weird transition to the other, you know, to the next scene in the film um, would make this the nomination for me. So favorite scene. There are a few. So I'm going to list them um, starting with. Like my third favorite scene of the movie is the confrontation between Harvey when he is two face Gordon and Batman when Two-Face has captured um, Gordon's family. Again, the raw emotion of Gordon seeing his family in danger, Two-Face being distraught and heartbroken over the death of Rachel, Batman, you know, telling Harvey that he was the best of them and everything about it just works. There's emotion, there's stakes, there's believability it's filmed great. The shots, the close-ups, the pull-aways, everything about it is expertly crafted. Fantastic job. My second scene is the confrontation between Joker and the mob bosses. When he walks into that room and explains to them, get rid of the Batman if you're good at something, never do it for free. The way he just dresses them down is fantastic. And again, his body language, his mannerisms, the way he smacks his lips, all of it is, again, a masterpiece, an absolutely A-plus performance by Heath Ledger as the Joker. It is unbelievable. And my absolute favorite scene in this movie is the interrogation scene between Batman and Joker. What can you say about this scene? It is perfectly crafted to the mindset of these two people who any fan of Batman knows that they are, like Joker says in this movie, destined to do this forever. It's so well done watching Batman slowly start to lose control and potentially almost losing control 
except the Joker tells him what he wants to know on purpose. It's so well done. And, you know, when he tells Batman that he doesn't want to kill him, like, what would he do without him? Like, he's changed everything. And then manipulating him into going to the wrong building because he thinks he's saving Rachel and he's actually going to save Dent. It's such, it's manipulation at its finest. That's probably terrible to say. Um, I don't believe in like manipulation in real life to get what you want. But in the terms of the movie, the way he manipulates Batman, again, makes him break down to try and get Batman to break his rule of no killing. And Batman says, I'm considering it. He just plays Batman like a fiddle to get what he wants. And again, Batman goes pretty far where he is just beating down the Joker to try and get answers. And he says to him, you know, you have nothing to do. You have nothing to threaten me with nothing to do with all of your strength. The Joker doesn't care if you're going to beat the crap out of him. If he wants to tell you something, he's going to. And if he doesn't, you're not getting the information out of him. So he tells Batman where they are, which again is calculated. But how far was he going to go? Was he going to break him had he not told him? Um, I think it was a very fascinating thing to see. I think that scene was just master masterfully crafted excellent like excellent job i think it's actually the best i think it's the best scene out of the franchise i love that scene more than any other scene in this trilogy um and that is batman at his best unfortunately like i said earlier that's what makes me you know pedal back on this movie a little bit compared to batman begins is because certain things that we get with batman are so well done and so in line with what i know and what i feel batman as a character is in my interpretation and then there's things that contradict that to me that haven't been earned yet because he has not been batman to me in my opinion long enough so um that would be my list of favorite scenes. Now, for franchise appeal, um, obviously this movie, I said it earlier, absolutely shot these movies into the next you know, echelon for Batman. This movie was absolutely a box office smash. Um, you know, to put it into perspective, I know now some of these numbers seem weird, but $534 million in North America, $469 million world uh, in other territories for $1 billion worldwide. Um, the highest grossing film in 2008. Um, it was the fourth film at the time to gross more than a billion dollars and at this time, though, you have to remember, this was before the MCU. Superhero movies were not billion-dollar franchises. 
the Dark Knight did this. And the fact that this Christopher Nolan made this movie and it was a billion dollar franchise after absolutely, again, anybody who knows Batman as a film franchise knows Batman and Robin destroyed for the longest time the legacy of Batman on screen. Batman Begins brought it back. It was certainly well-reviewed. Again, my favorite Batman movie, but it did not have a huge box office take. It had a good box office take, but it was not great. This movie said, okay, Batman is back. Trust in, like, trust in the fact that Batman is a bankable option at the box office. So this movie earning what it did in 2008 at the time was absolutely unprecedented. It obviously immediately had a sequel greenlit. We got the dark Knight rises. I'll be interested to talk about that in a future episode, but boy, did this really show, Hey, Batman is back. He is bankable. And certainly we've seen what has happened with Batman. Um, in the movies that we have now uh, say what you will about certain interpretations with the justice league theatrical cut and things like that. But this brought Batman back into the mainstream, an amazing job by Nolan and the cast. Um, again, certain things I, I don't like about this movie. Again, not that this is terrible in any way. There's just certain things that, um, this movie did not do as well as Batman Begins in terms of being a Batman movie overall. So with that being said, um, I'm going to give my ranking on this as an individual film and where I think this lands in the franchise. So uh, for me, this is the number two Batman movie right behind Batman Begins. Um, and I would give this movie 4.75 reels. Um, it is very close to a five for me. It's just those little hiccups about me not feeling that Bruce not wanting to be Batman is earned yet in this universe. Bring this movie down just a touch for me. Again, in no way, shape, or form does that make this movie you know horrible or anything else. It just does not make it as good of a Batman movie as Batman Begins, and that's how I'm ranking these. So. 4.75 reels out of five for me and the number two representation for Batman on screen just behind Batman begins. So thank you very much for listening, everybody. Before I close out this episode, um, I just want to say once again, contact the show. Any way that you can do that is going to be in the show notes, whether it be through Facebook, Instagram, the show's email address, go to Podchaser look up Matt goes to the movies, leave reviews for this episode, um, for the show in general and any other episodes that you have seen. And before I sign off, I cannot sign off without saying a shout out to the basement binge and Harrison. If you have listened to this show, you have heard Harrison from the basement binge on here before We've done episodes together. He's been part of the MCU episodes along with Rob. Shout out to Rob as well. But his notes for the Basement Binge will be 
in the show notes to check out that show. The Basement Binge was the inspiration for Matt Goes to the Movies. Harrison and I have um, have formed an incredible friendship through movies, um, which is one thing I love about this podcasting and why I love movies. I have never, ever met Harrison in real life. Not once. However, I do, and I know he said the same, I consider this guy a friend, and I consider him a good friend through the bond of movies. I think that's a super strong message. I totally appreciate everything he's done for the show, having me on his. So make sure you go check out The Basement Binge. Um, while you're checking out this show, um, let us know what you think. I look forward to having him and Rob on future episodes for the MCU. We've recently been doing Loki, which has been a ton of fun. But thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you've liked my take on The Dark Knight, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, listeners. <laughs>